Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, thankfully, we can talk about a crucial Everton win today. Everton beating Newcastle 1-0 at Goodison Park on Thursday evening, thanks to a late, late goal from Alex Awobi. There was lots of drama involved, lots of relief uh, at the end of the game as well, and we'll uh, we'll discuss it all for you today. I'm your host, Adam Jones, today joined by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland, and I mean, we'll start with you, Chris. Yeah. You were you, uh, you sat next to me in the press box. And, you know, the, the atmosphere, particularly at the end of the match there, it, it, it was something of a, a sense of relief and a release of emotion, wasn't it, from those in the stands? Yeah, I mean, we were closer than we are now, given, you know, the proximity <laughs> that you are in, in, in the Goodison press box. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a special, special night. But the thing is, it, it needs to become a special night in, in the context of the season. What I mean helping Everton to stay in, in the Premier League because I don't want to be in a downer. And like Frank said, you do have to enjoy these moments. They have been few and far between. Lamentably, this season, just haven't been enough victories. And uh, doing a piece today, you know, Everton need to obviously build on this now. Um, but yeah, you have to enjoy that moment. And just for the players and all the long-suffering supporters, just see how happy you are, see what joy it brings, just winning a football match when it just hasn't been happening this Season wasn't pretty. I don't think it ever was going to be. It was always going to be a grind, like you mentioned. Evan had scored a goal. Never mind, take the point. Previous four matches, so they almost went and inter- well, they did go another ninety minutes without scoring before finally breaking the deadlock nine minutes into those sixteen additional minutes. But yeah, they, I just hope that the, the the players and the manager can just take everything on board and use this as a big positive step now because. I know the manager wasn't going to say it, and it's his job to sort of keep heads calm and to sort of stop anybody from being hysterical. But the rest of us were all acknowledging that that was it was at the very least a, a must not lose, but probably really a, a must win last night, especially having not got the result against Wolves on on Sunday. Yeah, so a, a lovely moment. Everyone's got a spring in their step again this this morning. Enjoy it for now, and then uh, obviously it's a different sort of challenge, which will come on to Crystal Palace in the FA Cup on Sunday, but. Yeah, um, they're, they're, these are the sort of moments that everyone you know loves loves football for, and um, Everton have just got to sort of uh, make it count now. Mm-hmm. As Chris mentions there, Gav, it wasn't wasn't exactly the best quality of games. I mean, we had a we had a quick little chat at halftime, didn't we? And we were both giving each other the sort of look that we've given each other in the last few Everton home games of uh, you know what yeah. performance Everton were putting in, but. I don't think anybody really expected what was what was to come in the second half, did they? <laughs> no, it's, 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 in many, in many different ways, I suppose. I mean, no, the, the, the second of three halves, you mean? Um, <laughs> that, that injury time felt like a separate sort of half in itself, didn't it? Really, as as several people have said, um, 
you know, in, in, in reviewing the game, it's the it's the, the best rubbish game you've ever seen. Um, or where it's that fact, and that certainly was my my impression of it. Um, thought first half. We started off a bit, a bit winding ourselves on the back of the crowds, um, sort of support, and then Newcastle sort of wouldn't say dominated it, but certainly had the bulk of the possession. And then strange enough, as the game went up, went on, we sort of got a bit of more momentum ourselves, and you felt that could be a, there's a goal in here for us at a couple of opportunities. But overall, it was um, yeah, it was poor quality. Let's let's. Let's not, uh, you know, let, let's not ignore that that fact. And I don't want to put a damper on things, but I think we need to play better than that between now and the end of the season, don't we? Really, it's not every not every game you're going to get like a sort of coincidence of events and emotions and stuff that produces that result. You have to show a bit more quality, and we, you saw that in the one moment of quality that either side provided during the game. So I thought Newcastle weren't great themselves, to be honest with you. Um, great tackle by Seamus, you know, penetrating run by Wolby, carried on running. Calvert Lewin, who's like sort of footballing intuition, I've criticised on the pod for once, understood where Wolby was going and played him through. And that, that was the only, and, and he scored with a good, good finish. That was the only quality in 118 minutes or whatever was played in the game. Uh, but as you say, it was uh, a half time. You you couldn't really see that happen, could you, lad? <laughs> well, I mean, Beef, let's talk about Alex Awobi. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been he's been much maligned over the course of his Everton career so far, and mm-hmm. I think you know, in a, in a lot of respects, he's been rightly criticised yeah. for you know, sort of a lack of lack of consistency, I suppose. But you know, you can probably aim that a lot of Everton players yes. over the over that uh, sort of time period. But you know, if if anybody needed that boost of confidence, I suppose, that a goal like that can bring. Surely it was somebody like Alex Iwobi. Yeah, and I think he's reacted when um, he's seen the encouragement from the crowd in, in recent times, the Leeds United game. You know, he has responded to that and um, some wholehearted displays. I mean, let's have, let's have it right. I mean, I gave him 10 out of 10 in, in, in my <laughs> player ratings, and that's obviously entirely down to the goal. You know, he, he'd worked hard last night and hadn't really been any sort of end product at all until that moment. But, you know, that's crucially... The, the match winner. Uh, yeah, in many respects, he sort of epitomises that the uh, the problems with the recruitment under Farhad Mashiri, obviously it was the end of that transfer window and uh, Wilfred Zahar had been linked with Everton and there was talk of a big money move for him, never materialised. And then the, the dying embers of that transfer window, well, uh, he was on the yacht on the Middle East somewhere, wasn't he? He was on a boat. Um, Ends up signing for Everton for you know a, a very big fee, um, but that's been the frustration with Alex Awobi. He, he's not a rubbish footballer. I've seen far worse in the Royal Blue jersey. You know, people who just were out of the depth or just couldn't quite cut it. He's got something about him. He, he's, he is a talented player, and you, you think he's one of those who perhaps shows it more in training than he does on a match day on a regular basis. So that's one of the frustrations we've talked about with some of our colleagues. Who frankly just don't rate him. But I say, no, that, that is why he's been so frustrating because there is a player in there. There's, there's a talent. Arsene Wenger wouldn't have indulged you know, somebody who wasn't without talent for so long. But um, yeah, crucially, last night when, when it was his big moments, you know, the, the tension within the stadium, everybody, you could feel it like you alluded to before kickoff. It meant so much for Everton. 
and you just needed somebody with that composure in that moment. And thankfully, Alex Iwobi showed that composure in the moment. The coolest man in the stadium as, as everyone was losing their heads, including Frank Lampard's break, <laughs> breaking his hand in the celebrations. <laughs> and I used to see even in his emotions, in his reaction, he, even that was sort of yeah. restrained to a point. He wasn't going crazy. Um, yeah, I just hope Everton needed a hero to emerge from somewhere, even the most unlikely of sources. And you guess that Alex Iwobi is sort of can be considered that way. I hope that he, he can build on that now for when he's called upon between now and the rest of the season and sort of galvanise his teammates too and say, yeah, look look what we can do. Because it's another theme that we've touched on many a times. I feel that the talent in this squad is such that they shouldn't be anywhere near this position, but they are. And there's still huge games to come. I wait to like to Watford and, and Burnley. Who, you know, obviously, obviously, they really are six pointers given the nature of the beast. And yeah, let, let, let's just hope that this... This can finally, I mean, we've said it so many times, be, be some sort of turning point, some sort of watershed moment. Mm. Well, I mean, Gav, Frank Lampard in his post-match press conference was talking about it, will be, and he suggested that uh, it will be might feel a little grieved at being dropped over the last couple of weeks after how he'd uh, performed in his you know first few matches under the new manager. And to be honest, I, I think I, I probably agree. I think he'd put in a couple of uh, decent displays under Lampard since his... Uh, since his arrival, and you know, I'm past the point now of saying, "Oh, can this be a new beginning for Iwobi's Everton career?" Because we, it seems like we've just said that so many times over over the last uh, few like weeks, months, years. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's it's right what Bees is saying, isn't it? That you know, if 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 he's gonna if he's gonna build on this now, you know, just use this as a platform to to build yourself up. He can be. He can be an important player for Everton when he's a, when he's in that kind of form, can't he? Oh yeah, I mean, I felt that we uh, missed his energy against Wolves on um, on Sunday. Uh, to be fair, and um, the one thing I'd say about Sabobi is, and this is not necessarily the case with all of his teammates, is he does put a shift in. He shows the ball, he, you know, not necessarily the best quality when he's got it. He can occasionally be a headless chicken, but. You can't deny that actually, he, you know, he doesn't give us all. I think he, you know, he, he puts a shift in. I also think that Seamus looks a better right back when the Wobie plays wide right. I think he gives Seamus a, a lot more support than some other players in that position. And yeah, whether it, you could say that about the whole team, really, couldn't you, Adam? That actually, it's not just the Wobie using it that as a springboard, it's whether the team can use it as a springboard and you suspect that those two things to happen to Alex has got to happen to the team, hasn't it? I can't see the team carrying on as we've been doing, not playing well, and I will be all of a sudden becoming a shining light. I think it's got to be the team that um, reinvigorates itself. But I think Frank's probably right. I think he has his, his, his game time has probably been a lot less than what you would expect over the last month or so. Having said that, we've got our blue tinted spectacles on here, hasn't it? There has been times when he's played and he's been, uh, you know, he's be, he's been below average. So um, I think there's two sides to that that argument. But yeah, good luck to him. He, he's um, as I said last night, he got his usual goal against Wolves four days late. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he, he deserved that. For, he, he, it was similar to a goal. He scored one at Wolves last year, didn't he? It was just similar where he played the ball into the air, he carried on running, and then. Put it in. I think that was with his left foot as well, was it? Um, mm-hmm. And um, that's obviously his forte, and he did that. That was that was a really good uh, good goal for him last night. He's he st- great, 
great tackle by Seamus. But it was a Wobie's goal from when he picked the ball up, wasn't it? Mm. Really. It drove into the defence, took the return, finished well. And hopefully he can gain confidence, but I think that's dependent on the, the rest of the team gaining confidence as well. Mm. I think what was promising for most fans in the, in the stands was that Everton seemed up for the fight yesterday, didn't they? You know, we saw... You know, when they were coming together between the two teams, Iwobi was somebody who ran 20 yards to you know stand up for Gordon and was yeah. pushing somebody out the way. Gordon himself was having a bit of a tete-a-tete yeah. with that Bruno Gumares yeah. in the first half. You know, Richarlison was getting physical with, with his opponents as well. You know, Gav mentions Seamus Coleman's, you know, really crunching tackle in the in the build-up to the goal. Yeah. You know, it's it's all those kind of things. You know, they, they seem like small little details but this is the kind of stuff that Everton fans can really relate to isn't it yeah so not only is it the things that the fans can relate to and sort of the attributes they almost demand in, in Everton players it's what is required in a relegation dogfight they don't call it a dogfight for nothing it, it's a scrap it's a battle it's not pretty as we saw last night you can't just play free flowing football to get your way out of there you, you have to sort of go for all these 50 50s and fight for every ball or every loose possession and win every, try and win every header. Um, really is like that. And I don't think, again, I'm going back to the pedigree of the players because the, a lot of them are supposed top players. A lot of them might not have experience of that previously. I know obviously Ben Godfrey did with Norwich City. He was involved in a relegation fight, ultimately won that he didn't win. But he's been in a relegation dogfight before. And and you need to, you know, it's sort of like the old um, adage, but roll your sleeves up, but you you have to show that desire. So the fact that they they did show that wasn't it was very encouraging in that they need to do that on a regular basis. It's not it's not just on a one off now. And say oh we're, we're okay now. They, that's why they're in this position because they haven't been able to build a sequence of results. Okay, FA Cup now and then it's international break. So that's a frustration that they can't sort of go straight onto it now. There's not an opportunity to get any more points now for a little while, but. Yeah, those are the sort of qualities that they are going to have to show. So, yeah, maybe the pennies finally drop with them. Um, I mentioned last week in the podcast, we spoke to Anthony Gordon for the Sunday papers. And you might say, oh, well, he's confident. But it, when he was asked, do you fear relegation? And he said, no, not at all. So is he just confident or did he show almost a naivety to the situation? But whereas Wolves on Sunday really sort of crystallised everything, sort of brought it home. There was that eerie sort of silence after the game. There was almost feeling a resignation. But whereas last night, the crowd and the players, they, they were up for it from the start and, and they're going to have to keep doing that on, you know, on a game-to-game basis now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Gav, it seemed that the VAR thought that <laughs> Alain was a bit too up for it in the second half. Uh, he was... He was sent off for that challenge on Alan St. Maximan as he tried to counter-attack up the other end of the pitch in the uh, in the 83rd minute. Frank Lampard, after the game, was adamant that it wasn't a red card. You know, as we understand it at the time of recording, you know, Everton are considering appealing the decision. Uh, what 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 did you make of it all from uh, from your seat in the press box? At, at the time, I've looked at it in real time. And then on on the monitor, which is some distance away, um, I thought it was a red. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought he launches himself from distance. He's he's he's, he's a little bit out of control, isn't he? Um, I'll bid the contact with say maximum is not as it's not as great when you watch it on slow motion. The contact and what you're thinking, 
in real time. Um, I haven't watched it again today. I still, I can see the argument why you say it's not a red, but I can see the argument why it is a red. To be honest with you, he takes take him. You know, there's an attempt, clear attempt to take him out. He's mm. out of control, and it's one of them. I suppose that if there wasn't VAR, he'd probably still be on the pitch. I think it's all that impact of spots. Impact is probably not the right way to use a bad tackle. Um, it's the it's the the effect of watching slow motion on on VAR, isn't it? Really, uh, that doesn't help. But I can see why it was a red. Absolutely, I, um, I I I can see that completely. And I'm not saying that because we went on to win the game. And if we'd have got beat, and said, "Oh, it was a disgrace," and all this, I'm saying that because that's what I'm just that's what I'm saying. What I thought, uh, what I see. I thought mm. uh, I thought it was balls on a red card defence. I can see why he's being sent off. Mm. Well, I mean, like as as we understand it, the the official decision is that he was off the floor and he was out of control and he endangered an opponent, and that's why the uh, Craig Pawson was told to go and review the pitch side monitor. But I think one of the things that was sticking with Frank Lampard mm. in his post match press conference was that that didn't seem to be a clear and obvious error. And I think, you know, Gav is kind of touching upon the issue there. He can see the argument of, mm. as to why it was a yellow card. And I think, you know, that that particularly becomes apparent when you're in the context of the game, you know, when you've seen some of the tackles that have come in beforehand in that match that were, you know, the Craig Pawson did let slide. I don't think it seemed all that different to, to, to a lot of those challenges. So, you know, when you can see the, the argument for a yellow card, uh, it, it, it kind of, it. That's why I think that's what sticks with me. You, you know, where, where like, because it it should still stick with the referees on field decision, shouldn't it? Like, there's something, there's something not right in this system as it currently stands. Yeah, that's as you say, and that's that's the crux of this VA, this whole VAR issue, isn't it? As it, um, we looked at that tackle um, in, in real time, thought, well, okay, yellow card, fair enough, and then watched it in the. The replay on VAR, as Gav has said, and his both feet are off the ground, so you could say, okay, fair enough, there's grounds for a red card. But as you just said, clear and obvious error. It's one of those where we look back and some people are saying, yes, it's a red card, and some people are saying, nah, it's a bit harsh, that should be a booking. So I don't see how that can be a clear and obvious error. It's one which can go either way. It's not like the Rodri handball which mm. when you watch that back that is a clear and obvious error that that has not been given as a handball so Everton will say from their point of view so something like that where it's clear and obvious that the referee got it wrong on the day and should have had a second look that doesn't go for Everton mm. and then you've got something that okay you can see why it is a red card but it's not a clear and obvious error from the referee when he hasn't given him a red card but that one goes against Everton so it's like this there's no black and white. There's an infinite shades of grey in this area and the inter- interpretation. So, yeah, by the letter of the law, it, you can look at it and probably say, yes, there are grounds for sending off Alan. But the fact that people are still debating and that even Alan Shearer himself had said that he didn't think it, it was a red card, that the, it's not so much about the decision with Alan about how we use VAR now. It's like, do, do we just bring it out whenever something happens or should it be as it's supposed to be a clear and obvious error and, and Everton will feel aggrieved that as much as that decision might actually be correct by the letter of the law it's, 
VAR's done them again, basically, mm. and and it, and it's done them a, a number of times now. So maybe just you've got to hope that perhaps there's, there's a decision at some point in the future, and what this cr- crucial end of the season, the running, might go Everton's way, or is it just going to continue that they just keep getting the fen end of the wedge? But yeah, mm. that, that's the problem. With it. Clear and obvious error. It might have been right to send Alan off, but it wasn't a clear and obvious error to not send him off in the first place. Yeah. I suppose, Gav, you know, while it didn't affect uh, the outcome of the result last last night, uh, thankfully it might have a, quite an impact over the next few games. You know, if Alan's going to be suspended for three games, I think I think Thursday night's game kind of proved how important he is to this Everton lineup, isn't he? Because, you know, while we were saying against Wolves that the central midfielders didn't, you know, look for the ball enough from the... Uh, from the centre-backs and didn't progress Everton up the pitch and through the lines enough. Alan really was doing it, like, especially in the first half when Everton were under the cosh a little bit. I think Alan was, you know, one of the players who kind of shone out. You know, he was winning tackles, making interceptions, and he was managing to carry the ball forwards, make those important passes forwards. You know, when he's playing like that, you, you, he is, he's such a crucial player, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You- Ideal player for that fixture last night, and they'd argue that it was an ideal player for the fixture against Wolves, but he was obviously on a naughty step mm-hmm. after the um, the Spurs game. Yeah, I, I I thought he was before the sending off. He was there there about our our best player. Um, he's now banned. I would argue that that's not that tackle is not regardless about whether it's a red card or not. Is is not exactly the the brightest thing you'll see on a football pitch, considering he's now banned at a crucial stage of the season, um, which colours it a little bit for me. But yeah, I thought he was. I thought he played well last night. It's funny player, Alan. He, he can he can look like Peter Reid one moment, and then next minute he can do something utterly banal or amateurish, and um, he, he sort of like convey between two two extremes on occasions. Sometimes he can just look like a park player, um, but other times he can he can look like a top quality midfielder. But yeah, he, he I thought he played well in last night. He's he's ideal, and we probably missed him against Wolves in that. that don't think that what we, we prize and what we've spoken about on Monday, aren't we? Really, that that two against Wolves didn't work last night. Worked a bit better, but they still had a lot of space in midfield on occasions. Newcastle, especially in the first half. Hmm. I mean. Um, but I think I thought overall he was uh, one of our best players before he got dismissed. Mm. Well, I mean, sticking with you, Gav. I mean, I mean, I think we've got to we've got to talk about the fact that Everton actually kept a clean sheet as well, which is you know hasn't come easy to them over the course of this season. And you know, we've seen Michael Keane come back into the side last night. You know, after you know picking up a lot of criticism for his performance against Spurs. You know, Mason Holgate has obviously come in for a lot of criticism recently, as as. Seamus Coleman, but I think, you know, it, 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 granted Newcastle didn't put up, you know, huge amounts of pressure on that on that back four, but you know, I think credit where credit's due, they all they all did stand up and they were all up for the fight, weren't they last night? Well, one of the reasons why they didn't put pressure on our back four is the back four stopped them doing that. And mm. um, to be fair, uh, I said to me right after the game that um, good to see. Um, some players, you know, have had stick playing well. He said, all the players have had stick. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, should we, for the 110th time this season, say 
Michael Keane, if you stick him in the penalty box and just say defend the penalty box, especially if there's a big centre heart, a centre forward in opposition, he's one of the better ones in the Premier League are doing that, isn't it? Because it's such a such a, a skill that's becoming obsolete because the nature of centre forward plays changed over the over the last decade. Um he's still one of the one of the best at doing that, isn't it? You saw that last night. I thought he uh, didn't give Chris Wood much. Um, took a few knocks himself. Um, stayed disciplined because that—that's the type of centre half he is, and, and he can—he can do that. We know that, don't we? We know, but we know what happens when actually he's faced with speedy forwards, or he has to step outside his area. And 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 kudos to Mason Holgate who produced two or three great clearances, particularly in the second half when the ball got to the byline. Again, somebody who's, who's had a bit of stick and quite rightly so, and, and I thought the pair of them allowed Newcastle very little. I think it, I, mean, I, can't, I, I, I think there's probably only one clear-cut chance of taking off the top of my head where Begovic saved at the, the near post. And and Asmir, I thought, had a, a good game as well. Showed his experience. Nearly got caught out by a free-kick mm-hmm. in the first half, man, <laughs> didn't he? Um, but I thought he... he he showed his experience and, and coolness under pressure. I thought he had a, a good game as well. So, collectively, the goalkeeper and, and two centre-halves thought he defended our area around the six-yard box and around that really well last night throughout the game and allowed Newcastle very little. And, um, you know, well done to all three. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that makes an important point about Begovic there, doesn't he? I mean, it's... It's not easy for a backup goalkeeper to to step into a match like that, but uh, he did it. He did it really well, didn't he? As Gab says, showed his experience really well, commanded that area very well, and uh, he was he was crucial to Everton getting the win in the end. Yeah, and um, I suppose that's all you want, isn't it, from from a, from a number two, and that's why you've got somebody with his um, vast Premier League um, pedigree. Um, he, you know, he's played a, a lot of games early in his career at, at, at this level, and. Well, it's, it's it's that bizarre role, isn't it? As a number two keeper, you know, most of the time you're going to be inactive. You're just going to be sat on the bench helping the number one. But then at crucial moments like that, it's sudden all of a sudden the number one's ill, and you have got to step in, and you you've got, you can't be the weak link. And yet, if uh, it's not like you say he wasn't overly busy, but the times he was called upon, you know, he 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 made the saves, and he was just that calm assurance, you know. Just, be collecting crosses or just giving the, the, the back four in front of him that, that confidence that you know he wasn't going to be jittery or nervous at, at, on the occasion. And yet, yeah, that I think he's, he's one of these ones who's out of contract this summer, but as an option for, for a second year. But I, I, it's certainly hoping that you know you could that Begovic would be happy to stay on as, as number two for, for another season, hopefully in, in the Premier League, um, to provide that, that cover for Jordan Pickford because uh, he. I mean, you saw the situation last night. You had two substitute keepers um, on on the bench. I mean, I don't know um, what the thinking was um, behind that one, but um, yeah, then you just—that's what you want. Somebody who can come in and it's not going to affect the team, and that you're thinking, oh, it could be a problem here. And to be fair, yeah, he, he, he was he was really, really solid. Mm. Well, as, as as we're recording right before Frank Lampard's press conference on Friday, but. We do have a match at the weekend to talk about, Gav. We've got an FA Cup clash, Everton travelling down to Crystal Palace for the early game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, as I say, we're, we're talking before Frank Lampard's press conference, so we can only discuss things as things stand. But, you know, as as 
as things stand. Alan's going to have to drop out of the side. Uh, how, how do you set up against Crystal Palace? Do you set up in a similar way as you as you did against uh, Newcastle? Is it is it possible without without Alan in the team to set up in a similar way? Yeah, just, if you thought the refereeing was bad last time, it was a bit chaotic. Um, the last time I think we played the Crystal Palace in January 1972, such was the chaotic scenes. The referee threatened to um, stop the game and take all the players off the pitch. And was sneaked out. Referee was sneaked out of the ground, and the palace chairman's in the boot of the palace chairman's car. So, um, <laughs> so if you, you, you thought last night was bad, uh, January fifteenth, nineteen seventy-two, and we drew to all. Um, I can't remember what your question was now. I'll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just hope you were one of those hooligans, Gav, who was giving him grief. Yeah. <laughs> Gav thought everyone run on and cable tied himself to the post. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh no, well, we'll, we'll stay clear of that, but oh yeah, it was a, it was a chaotic game started by Joe Roll of all people, who was normally a, a pretty mild-mannered um, uh, forward. Yeah, I, just to clarify, Alan is suspended for... Saturday, as, 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 as it stands, I think I think he is suspended. I think it's a three-match domestic right. ban, isn't it? And um, obviously, they've got the cup tie players as well, so Donny van der Beek can't come yeah. back in, and Nancy yeah. Delia can't play either. Sorry, Ad. So, in, in response to your question, yeah, we've gone from can we have like a three-man midfield? There's can. <laughs> Do we, have we, do, we have, do we have more than one yeah, midfield? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, um, well, you got it. It's a one-off game, isn't it, really? So you can probably be a, a little bit more flexible with your lineup than you can be in a in a league game. It's in, in many respects, it's a free hit for us, I suppose. And and because it's the international break, I suppose if there's a couple of players carrying knocks or whatever, you'd probably be tempted to to play them. We're thinking about say Richarlison there or something like that. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Obviously, I'm just thinking four three three. If I was me, four three three, go for it. Play to Corey, Iwobi, and talking about the middle of the park now, and you maybe play Gomez there. I think maybe. And mm. I'm just wondering whether you play Gomez. Like at the end last night, Gomez to Corey, four two three one, and then you know Gordon. Um, I'm just wondering whether Richardson will get a game instead of Tamara Gray, who's off the pace at the moment and play Calvert Lewin up. Up top, um, but uh, yeah, it, we've got a shortage shortage there. But I don't think it's particularly worrying for Saturday uh, for Sunday's match because of the nature of the nature of the game. I would imagine Begovic will keep his place. Yeah, presumably that'll be an interesting one. Mm. But yeah, it, it causes us a problem, but it's not insurmountable, isn't it? I think we'll just play Gomez and Takore in a in a two, which is not ideal, actually. But, mm. yeah, I mean, Gomez played... I mean, just thinking back to the league game at Palace in December, yeah. where we got overrun in the middle of the park, didn't we? Mm. Um, yeah. I think Frank will also have that on the back of his mind. Um, the midfield, he tried to play a three, but got, I think Gomez playing further up the pitch and it just didn't work out, did it? Yeah, yeah. Got yeah Gomez played as, like, a number 10. Yeah, yeah, which was just very, a bit mad. Yeah, given the shortage of numbers, I'm just wondering whether he'll, he'll play. He'll play Gomez and and Decore as a two on on Sunday, which is not ideal, but it's about as good as what we can put out. I think. Mm. I, th- I think, as Gav 
quite rightly says there though bees the fact that we've got the international break coming straight up after that game mm-hmm. it does kind of you know open up everton's options a little bit really doesn't it you know they, they don't have to save themselves for yeah. a league game or anything like that you know coming up they can just they can just throw everything that they've got at this cup match and you know with it being an fa cup quarter final as well you know that's exactly the kind of attitude that you need to have really isn't it yeah, I mean, I mean, normally I'm, I'm one of these who sort of laments the decline of the FA Cup. I always want Everton to take it as seriously as, as they can and um, don't like too many chopping and changing. You know, ultimately the club are in the longest ever trophy drought and, you know, I want them to take the FA Cup seriously. But this year it has been tempered by, because we're in such a mess in the league and you wonder, is it a distraction? And then ultimately if, if they do win, not being all negative, you know, Whoever wins this tie between Crystal Palace and Everton, you imagine the, the other quarterfinal victors will be hoping they get the winners of, of this tie at Wembley. So are you just... I mean, it don't be all doom and gloom day, Matt. They're out of Wembley. And who, who knows? I mean, Wigan Athletic went and did it. You don't want that combination of, of relegation and winning the <laughs> FA Cup. But yeah, it, you know, it, it keeps the season going, it keeps the momentum going. So yeah, it is a free hit in that sense. And it's almost... Um, you can have a bit more of a carefree attitude and like you say with the international break coming up go go for it i mean it's just such a shame that the kickoff time is, is when it is because of television i mean it's ridiculous really that the, the fans can't travel down and train on, on the day i mean we're having to stay overnight on ourselves but obviously people all the extra cost that, that goes with that and um, also with the, the atmosphere i'm sure both sets of fans will make it despite the early kickoff special atmosphere uh, going to be plenty of Evertonians down there, regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. And we know, to be fair to Palace, I mean, horrible ground in a horrible area, not mean personal, but yeah, they make it there as good as any fans in London in my book in terms yeah. of the atmosphere that they, they create and that they'll be up for it because they'll feel, they'll feel quite rightly that they've got a massive chance, you know, yeah. of, of making the semi-finals and going, going to Wembley. So, yeah, it, it feels a lot better now on the back of, of that result because if Everton hadn't had the result last night, I mean, even I suppose if it had been a draw, um, you might have thought, well, this is just another sort of distraction they don't need really. But and the fact that they have had the result, hopefully build a bit of momentum. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go with what um, Gav said, to be honest, and start with uh, Calvin Lewin up top. Just, just see if you can get him back amongst the goals. He obviously played a huge rolling the winner last night, setting that up for, for a Wobi, but he needs a goal himself. I mean, you think, not just for the team, but for him personally, to get him up and running and uh, hopefully for the running for the Premier League the rest of the season. Mm. Gav, how much influence would you place on, would you place on, you know, sort of an increased confidence and momentum about this Everton team? Because, you know, we've seen it in the past, even even as B's quite rightly said before, going to Crystal Palace after the uh, after that big Arsenal win in December, they, they managed to mess up the momentum there, yeah. didn't they? You know, yeah. after after beating Leeds, they, they, they didn't manage to build up on that, on that momentum either. You know, it, I, th- I think it's nice to say these things that, you know, that, that an increased confidence will be key. But, you know, is this time maybe a little bit different because it's coming so shortly after? Yeah, that win over Newcastle. On, 40, on, know, 48 hours after, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> um, I think goes back to the, the end of the day. You can you need quality, don't you, in your, in your team? Um, I mean, I said after the Brighton game in January that I feel the squads 11th to 15th in the list of squads in the in, the, in terms of quality. 
I think that I'm seeing what we've seen since January. We're probably closer to 15th than, than 11th, to be honest with you. So battling and hard and, you know, getting stuck in for once a better phrase will only get you so far in the modern game. You've got to have a bit of quality. And let's face it, that was it was that was lacking last night, wasn't it? And that was lacking for them, that was lacking for Newcastle as well. Um and and also I think Crystal Palace are quite decent. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're on a decent run under under Vieira. They play good stuff. But after all that, the FA Cup is the FA Cup, isn't it? It's a one-off game. It's the results got to be, you know, happen on the day. And if we compete like we did last night, then being in with the chance. But I'm just wondering that emotionally, that was quite a draining experience, wasn't it, for everybody last night? And I'm just wondering the terms of recovery times and you know fitness and niggles and stuff. Whether it's probably a, a day or two too early for us. It'll be interesting to see how much the players have got in the locker mm. on Sunday. And I just I just think that that could be a determining factor with Palace would have gone what five or six days without a game. And have got home advantage in front of a decent, really decent crowd against behind them. So maybe a little bit of momentum, but you need a bit of quality and you need a bit of uh, match fitness. I'm just wondering whether that might stymie us a little bit on on Sunday. Mm. Well, I think that's all we've got time for to, for today. But, but just before we wrap up, we've got to have score predictions. Mm. And with this being a cup game, we can't even predict the draw, really, can we? Uh, so, bees. First well, off. should we predict penalties then? Um, no, you can if you want. Okay. Um, Crystal Palace won Everton, won Everton to win on penalties. Ooh. <laughs> 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 the, the nerves keep on coming <laughs> over these few days. Gav, what, what do you reckon? It's, it's, you know what? I was thinking that, Chris, on the basis of being that sort of week, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It's been that sort of week where we've had Wolves, mad game on Thursday, all that emotion and negativity at the early part of the week and the elation at the, the end of the week. It's got it's naturally got an end on the penalty shoot house, hasn't it? That, that is, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Uh, so I'm going to say the same after all that. Just a, a funny, funny feeling about the cup. This year, really, mm. um, it just seems uh, we've had a few nice draws and Frank being Frank, he's got a few winners medals, mind you. I think Patrick's got about 10, hasn't he? Whatever yeah. it is. He's got a few. Um, actually, Cole's got more than anyone, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah actually, Cole, yeah. Did we, you yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine in the Bowser's Palace Park before the game, looking at each other's winners medals out of the, uh, yeah. the FA Cup, you know. I think they've probably got 15 to 20 between them, I would imagine, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a tight game. And I say penalties, but you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with penalties and I'll, I'll go with an Everton because it's so random. And that, that, that mm. would just appear to be totally in keeping with the, the rest of the week. For some for some reason, I can see this being quite a high-scoring game. Oh. And I, I, don't, I don't know why, but like as as you know, you guys rightly said, I think Palace are really good. You know, they're, they're starting to click under Vieira. I think their home crowd is probably one of the best in the league. I think it's it is fantastic. So I can see them scoring a couple of goals, but I, I do just think 
maybe I'm just being affected with by the confidence a little bit too much from last night, but I'm I'm gonna go in normal time as well. No extra time for me. Please, please. yeah. Uh, in normal time, I'm gonna go for a three-three-two Everton win. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, Ad, it'll be we could have thirty minutes extra time on Sunday, and it won't be the longest game we've been involved in this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, we've had, we've had enough. We've had enough extra time in the cups so far this year, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, let alone people protesting in the middle of the pitch, trying to lie down in the middle of the goal as well. Uh, I wonder what Palace's bulk cutters are like if yeah. they've got some like non novelty sized ones. An eagle could it like gnaw its way? Um, <laughs> I, I, I saw you there. I think I saw your tweet last night. I bet you. I think that was the last phrase you expected to use at Goodison last night, bolt cutters. Somebody legging it on with bolt cutters. Yeah, I was just in keeping. I mean, I think we should ignore that, but I was just uh, Yeah. I was just in keeping. If you'd, even if you'd have taken that out, that element yeah. out of last night, it still would have been a mad yeah. sort of uh, 90-odd minutes, wouldn't it? But to add yeah. that into the mix... Yeah. Took her into the surreal territory. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, I wrote, we don't want to make a habit for it, but I think Everton are two from two when people have attached themselves to the goalposts. Um, <laughs> one, one nil against Manchester City a decade ago, and then one nil last night. So, yeah, let's not make a habit of it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah so, I hope. hope you haven't got your cable ties for Sunday, Chris. Yeah. Leg on the pitch in the second half, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's a free hit for us on Sunday. In some respects, it's not going to shape our season. The results. So I think if we if we have that sort of mindset, hopefully we'll we'll relax a little bit and play some decent stuff with the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. We're talking about a positive result for Everton when we reconvene at the beginning of next week. But that's all we've got time for today. Thank you, lads, for joining me. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.